Our guest today is Terry Jones, founding member of the legendary Monty Python's Flying Circus. Jones, unquestionably the most talented Python, not only directed Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Life of Brian, and The Meaning of Life, but co-wrote the BBC series, The Crusades and the Discovery Channel's The Hidden History of Egypt. Author of a slew of children's stories, a medieval study entitled Who Murdered Chaucer, and a collection of columns brought together in the newly published book, The War on the War on Terror, Terry Jones, welcome to Weekly Signals. Hi there, is this Nathan? This is Nathan. Hi, Nathan, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Terry. How are you? Do- What's your birthday today? You must be it's doing my well. My birthday, yeah. I know, it's nice of you to bring me up on my birthday. Well, well, well happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday oh, to you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Now, are you doing any sort of special celebrating today, other than talking to us? Or? Uh, well, <laughs> I've got Mike Palin coming over later on, and uh, Terry Gilliam's going to come, and oh, I'm going to cook good. dinner. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Well, good. I hope that this means that you'll be working on a project together of some kind, uh, or just no, social? No, no, no. Well, well, we do. We just cook dinner for each other. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good project, th- right? That's all <laughs> we, we can do nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> well, Monty Python was never known for any political sketches. It was mainly zany, madcap humor, as I recall. What prompted you to write a book so politically critical of post-9-11 world? Well, I think it was incredulity, really. I think um, it was kind of after 9-11, I kind of kept on saying our great leaders um, saying they were going to stop terrorism and do this and that. And it seemed to me that things they started, they said they were going to do, were almost designed to have absolutely the opposite effect of what they said. I mean, uh, I mean, for example, George Bush after 9-11 said exactly the right thing. He said, we have to catch the evil perpetrators of this evil crime. And I would catch the perpetrators, perpetrators of a crime. I'd have thought you'd have to, um, you know, use uh, secrecy and uh, mm-hmm. stealth and catch them red-handed, you know, and speed. You know. well, what you don't do is say uh, where you're going to look for them, uh, how long, you, when you're going to look for them, and then say what you're going to do. You know, we're going we're to look for you in two months' time, all right? <laughs> give you, uh, we'll give you two months' start. And we're going to do it uh, in Afghanistan. We're going to look for you in Afghanistan. We're going to bomb you, right? <laughs> I would, there wouldn't be a single evil perpetrator left in Afghanistan by that time. Did, did you suspect that Bush would react this way to 9-11? Did you have any preconceptions about President Bush? Well, I didn't have any preconceptions about uh, about 9-11 happening, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but unlike President Bush and his cohorts, who did have a preconception, um, in yeah. fact, 9-11 was exactly what they wanted. I don't know whether you know the um, the project for the New American Century. Do you oh, think you're... Yes. Li- Listen know about that. Yes, yeah, so we do. We do. There's a website that's well worth looking at. If you look at the the report, it was. I mean, it's a website of a sort of think tank. It was set up by Cheney and uh, Rumsfeld and uh, Paul Wolfowitz, particularly, yes. and uh, Pearl. And they set up um, this think tank in about '97, I think it was. And and they've been regularly publishing what they would do when they get into back into power. And uh, cause a lot of them have been in power already under the first Bush. Um, and they published in 2000 a, a report called Renewing America's Defenses. And you can read it on their website. And, and in it they say, well, they're gonna, the main aim is to up spending on, uh, uh, on military by, from 3.4 of the na- gross national product to 3.9 of the gross national product. And then they say, well, we realize that this will um, be quite a difficult thing for the American public to swallow. And then they say, unless um, there's some catastrophic and catalyzing event like a new Pearl Harbor. And they were saying that, you know, so a year before uh, 9-11 happened. So, in fact, you know, 9-11 was exactly by their own account is what they were hoping was going to happen.
Yeah, this is Mike Casper. Uh, I it is. Hi, Mike. hi how are you, uh, Terry? Um, it's uh, it is in fact one of those things that makes you pause and and consider what what actually happened. And are you of the opinion then uh, that uh, that nine eleven should have been treated as a criminal act as opposed to? I think that's exactly it. I mean, if they treated them as criminals, which is you know what they were, well, if you fly, if you <laughs> capture a plane and fly into a building, you're a criminal. Um, that's exactly how it should have been treated. The FBI should have been brought in, Interpol, and, uh, and they should have done it like, like you do any murder inquiry. It's a huge scale, but that's what it is. But, it, but by suddenly declaring a war, you elevate these criminals into a nation. You put them on a, a par with the United States. So suddenly Osama bin Laden is suddenly on a par with the United States. He's taking on the whole of the United States. There's a war against Osama bin Laden. I mean, it's, yeah. it's nonsense. It, it turns him into a hero. It's a, it helps him recruit uh, other terrorists. I mean, it's, it's just not the thing to do. Yeah, that was exactly my sentiment about the whole thing, too. You know, in, in your book, you call the war in Iraq the most cowardly war in history. Could you explain that a little? <laughs> well, I, I can't think of any other war in which the, 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 the country that you're going to bomb, you've, you've sent inspectors in to check that they've got not but any arms. Uh, once you've made sure they haven't got any arms, <laughs> you, you then go in and bomb them to bits. I mean, it's, it's not exactly, you know, from a safe height. It's, it's not exactly a sort of... Um, <laughs> well, courageous I, thing to do. Well, it's true. I mean, that I, I had never thought of it in those terms, but we had been bombing them since 1991. Besides yes, exactly. the fact I mean, that we sent in the inspectors. I mean, they've been deprived of m- medicines for their kids. I mean, the embargo on uh, uh, has killed something like by the World Health Organization since 1990, when it was 1991. The, uh, over a million children have died because of the, uh, the, the embargo on, on medicines for, for kids in, in Iraq. Right. We, I don't know why we're doing these terrible things to these poor people. Child, yeah, child, uh, the child diseases and infant mortality and the rest of it have gone through the roof. Yeah. In addition to what I consider to be one of the untold stories, which is the depleted uranium, the effects that depleted uranium have had. Anyway. Yeah, well, that's, that's why we're proud to be yeah, Americans. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I can't, you know, why are they making these warheads of depleted uranium just to fuck up the environment? I mean, it's just it, disgraceful. It, yeah, really. yeah. Well, you know, given all that, what worries you most about President Bush right now? Oh, I think it's his, his advisors. I think <laughs> yeah. it's, his, it's his advisors and the smirk on his face. I think it's the yeah. smirk on his face that worries me most. Yeah. I keep feeling he knows something that I don't know. <laughs> He's got another agenda going that mm-hmm. I don't really know what it is. I think also it's the, it's the idea of the, uh, this religious agenda, which I don't understand. I mean, I hope somebody will explain it to me, but there's some religious agenda going on with Ashcroft and people like that that, uh, you know, sort of seems to welcome a cataclysm, seems to welcome some sort of horrendous uh, meltdown. Well, I wish I could explain it to you. I, I have absolutely no idea what what appeals to what, what concern, people about apocalypse. But. Yeah, what concerns yeah, apocalypse, a lot. Yeah. It concerns a lot of us. The most powerful man in the world, with the ability to theoretically destroy the world, is a, a man who believes in the rapture, and that yeah. and that is a little frightening. Isn't he it? really does. And can you explain the rapture to me? I'm not. I've, any, I've sort of heard about it. Well, I, I think. I'm supposed to stay down here and burn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're 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 not going to be a uh, you know part of that little that yeah, party. I, I don't think, but uh, basically, that the end of the world, uh, there'll be a light, and the the true believers will be taken into so? heaven, and the rest of us will you be 
left to burn in the fiery pit, I guess. And Bush actually believes in this. Well, apparently yeah. so. I mean, if if you were, he's been asked uh, directly. I know his his press spokesman was asked directly about this, and he turned sheet white and ran out the room because I think they don't really want that information out there as the uh, the depth of his belief in this. Mm. So. Well. Heaven for the climate, hell for the company. (laughs) Very scary, very scary. Were you surprised when Bush was elected in November? Well, this time, um, actually, I was expecting him to get re-elected. You know, they they sort of, the first time when he wasn't re-elected, they they did everything they possibly could. And I couldn't believe that they wouldn't use their position to actually get in again. And also, yeah, I, I wasn't surprised, I have to say, although... I wasn't sort of, you know, I hear from people who are in the States, it was a much closer thing than we were given to believe over here. Yeah, it really was. I think both of us here on the radio show were expecting Kerry to win, and and we wouldn't put money on it, but at least it seemed close to us. Well, if if not for a disputed election in Ohio, Mm. uh, John Kerry would be president, Uh, you know, so it it wasn't that far. An elected president. Well, uh, (laughs) not by popular vote, but by electoral vote. I noticed uh, you have a recent article here, which points out one of the things that uh, I think is uh, kind of screwed up about the world. And this is the uh, you you talked about the fundraisers fundraising oh, yeah, for the, the tsunami, tsunami victims, disaster. and we have a hundred maybe one hundred and fifty thousand dead Iraqis. Yeah, I mean it's like you're talking about the say You mean the tsunami disaster is one of the biggest uh, catastrophes, the natural catastrophes to hit mankind that we've recorded um, with, uh, but. We're talking about the same number of deaths that we have caused in Iraq. The UK and the US have caused in Iraq. I mean, it's unbelievable, the numbers of people. We're talking about 150,000, certainly 100,000 people dead in Iraq because of what we've done, maybe 150,000. It's mind-blowing. And to, to, to say, oh, it's great that we got rid of Saddam and we've had free elections. Well, you tell that to the 150,000 people who are dead. It's, it's the same numbers of people who, who died in the biggest natural catastrophe in recorded history. But we don't seem to have the capacity, at least within, to empathize with them to the point where we want to raise money for them. Is that that's yeah, your point? Right? No, I think, well, I think that's another point, yeah. yeah. I, I was really make, using that to sort of make the point about how many people have yeah. suffered as a result of this invasion, this illegal invasion of, of another country. Yeah. How do you account for Tony Blair right now? Oh. I, yeah, did, you, did you vote for him? I, I don't think I voted for him last time. I think uh, I did the first time. Uh, yeah. I certainly didn't vote for him, for him the last time. I just can't bear the man. I yeah. mean, he's such a hypocrite. I, you know, I just I can't believe here he can look at himself in the mirror in the morning. I think he, I think he is. He does look ill, actually. So I think he is suffering. I mean, if he has any conscience at all, it must be really racking him at this moment that he's gone ahead with something that's caused so much disaster and distress and bloodshed just to keep the uh, neocons in power in the state. It's amazing. Uh, this is KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. We're talking to Terry Jones, founding member of Monty Python's Flying Circus. And I was wondering, do you think uh, Blair will be pulling British troops out of Iraq soon? What's your feeling about all this? I now? doubt it, actually. Yeah. I think, you know, I think he'll just do whatever the Americans want him to do. And if they want him to keep the troops there, they'll, he'll keep the troops there. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you know, he doesn't take any notice of what the British public thinks. You can have two million people go out on the streets saying, don't go into Iraq, and he just ignores them. He just manipulates information and uh, um, intelligence 
in order to produce a dodgy dossier, pretending that there was some threat from Iraq in order to persuade people to go along with it. He doesn't really care. He puts the British public in the front line for terrorist attack, reprisal attacks by, by attacking Iraq and by killing a lot of innocent Iraqis. Um, he'll just do what the Americans say. When you think about the dynamics leading up to the war, the so-called British intelligence report on the cake uh, uranium from Niger, and that was a key part of that sort of rationale. And then the unbending support that uh, Tony Blair gave to the United States in its lead-up. Without Britain, it's hard to see how the U.S. could have pursued that policy, isn't it? Yes. I mean, this is part of the hypocrisy, really, of of Blair, that he sort of... uh you know, he's taking this time saying, oh, he can be a, a mitigating factor on George Bush, whereas, in fact, George Bush doesn't give a damn about him, really, except he uses his support. Uh, but, I mean, and Blair had no mitigating effect on, on, on Bush at all. I mean, it must, again, have been totally humiliating for him. He's just, you know, performing the, the, the role of a client government, um, and uh, without being occupied by America, he's just, He's just like a quizzling in a way. What has this cost him politically? Has the Labour Party suffered for it, or is it the... um, I think it certainly suffered from the point of view of intelligent comment and from the point of view of the people who uh, real ground root socialists who supported the Labour Party and made the Labour Party. I think I think the intellectual core of the Labour Party has probably become so disillusioned that they've they've washed their hands of it. Um, however, democracy in the West doesn't really function like that anymore. It doesn't work on intelligence any longer. It just works on publicity and column inches in the newspapers, and that's got nothing to do with intelligence. And I think, you know, Blair will probably get back into power again because there's no alternative to him. We're speaking with Terry Jones and his book, War on The War on Terror. What's your take on what we're doing to fight terror right now? Well, I think, you know, for a start, it's a, <clears throat> we shouldn't be fighting a war on terror. I mean, how can you, on, uh, how can you have a, a war on an abstract noun? Uh, you can't do it. I mean, it's not winnable. Abstract nouns can't surrender. They can't, uh, they can't be killed. Um, I suppose you get it eradicated from the Oxford English Dictionary. That might be some sort of victory. But <laughs> basically, you, you can't actually win against the war on terror. It's rather like in the 14th century, or late 14th century, early 15th century, um, the Archbishop of Canterbury over in England here declared a war on heresy. And it yeah. was very convenient for him to do that. It meant he could just he could just sort of burn and get rid of anybody he didn't like. He could define heresy how he liked. And, it, and you create a climate of terror in which you can, uh, you can push through very unpalatable uh, measures and draconian measures, and you can reduce people's civil li- liberties. It's exactly like what the war in terror, on terrorism is being used for. Mm-hmm. Um, everything they've done has been to increase the likelihood of terrorism. Yeah. Uh, the more unfair the actions you do, if you go and bomb uh, countries that aren't any threat to you, you're going to increase the likelihood of people trying to get back at you by, uh, by terrorist means. Some of the best things that uh, from the Pythons was their uh, savaging of the rationale behind the Crusades. In some very real sense, we're starting seeing a, that echo again. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, again, it's you know, war is always really pursued by the people who want to make money out of it. It's, yeah. the, the, it's not you know, 
I always thought, you know, oh, well, the Second World War was because the Germans and English hate each other. Of course, it's nothing to do with that. It's just, and in fact, maybe the Second World War is a bad example because that maybe is what not one that. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose the war starts with Hitler trying to expand his his, his regime, but um, in the past, it's, it's always the people who are making money out of out of war who are the ones who want to persecute it. And uh, in the 14th century, it was various barons, uh, the Earls of Arundel and uh, Gloucester. Warwick, who wanted to prosecute the war against France, and uh, because they made money out of it, and it depleted the rest of the country, and it made everybody else poor and created huge misery, but they made money. Um, and now it's Halliburton and Bechtel and all this lot. They're all making money out of, out of quotes rebuilding Iraq. Not that there's been any any Iraqis can see any rebuilding as far as I can see. But I think the other thing too is actually people turning away from. The mass media, from television and, uh, and and the press, and actually reading some of the websites that are up, like uh, the New Standard, where there's a very good man called Dar Jamal, who's American, who's actually out in on the streets in Baghdad, actually seeing what's going on, as opposed to most of the journalists from the newspapers who can't be insured, so they all stay in their hotel rooms and report from the hotel room. What was um, the name? What was the name of that website? It's the New Standard. A uh, guy called Dar Jamal, um, who writes, who's been their correspondent from okay. uh, Iraq all through the all through the fighting, um, and there are other good things like ZNet, of course. I expect you know, yeah. and um, yeah. uh, Monde Diplomatique isn't bad actually. Mm-hmm. And Tom Payne, Tom Payne's a very good site. Yeah. So you know, I think that's where you get the news now in in these websites. Just one final question before we go. We'll let you yep. get back to your birthday party. But uh, do you feel safer now that Saddam's not in power? No, I don't feel at all. Well, I feel well, much yeah. less safe. Yeah. Not that Saddam made me safe, <laughs> the well, means of getting rid of him yeah, has made the world a totally unstable country. It's not the fact that he's gone that makes it unstable, but it's the means by which they've, they've yeah. used to get rid of him that's, dis, that's really disrupted the, the, the stability of the world. And also, I think the... I mean, for example, if you look at the uh, the Project for the New American Century, it's called Project for the New American Century yeah. Org. Um, if you look at their Rebuilding America report from the year 2000, they state in it, and this is Paul Wolfowitz and Richard Pearl, the signatures to this report, in it they say that the, um, and I can actually quote the thing, they say that um, the United States has always wanted to have a, 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 a establish, um, here's the actual quote, the United States has for decades sought to play a more permanent role in Gulf regional security. While the unresolved conflict with Iraq provides the immediate justification, the need for substantial American force presence in the Gulf transcends the issue of the regime of Saddam Hussein. And that was published a year before President Bush got into power. And it's the neocons, uh, Rumsfeld, Cheney, Paul Wolfowitz, Richard Pearl, saying their agenda. They wanted to get into Iraq. They wanted to establish an American military base in Iraq. And Saddam Hussein wasn't really the point. He was just an excuse. Right. As I recall, uh, Professor Chomsky said that this is an attempt by the United States to, to extend the Monroe Doctrine to the Middle East. And that's essentially what we're doing. I guess so. Terry Jones, you've spent uh, more time with us than uh, we, we said deserve. we were going to, than yeah. we deserve, <laughs> yes. and I want to very much thank you for being a part of Weekly Signals. Once again, Terry Jones' War on the War on Terror, it's in bookstores now. Terry Jones, uh, happy birthday once yes, again. happy birthday, Terry. Thank and, you very much. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and thank you so much for being a part of Weekly Signals. Okay, it's a pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.